But to, to, to explore, just begin to explore this psalm. I want to start um, by showing you this. Um, this, is, this is a picture, believe it or not, of, of the psalm in the original language um, that, that it was in, in, in Hebrew. But I'm going to spin it now around like this. Um, and I'm going to, and I'm going to ask you what, what, what comes to mind when you, when you look at this picture here? Um, this, the psalm that was intentionally crafted to look, to look like this, this image here, believe it or not, on your right. Now I'm sure that some of you might not be as excited about this sort of stuff as me, and that's okay. Um, but does anyone know what this might be? What this image here on the, on the right might be? It's a picture, yeah, of, of, of the menorah, the menorah uh, candle um, or, or series of candles that was placed and kept in the, in the holiest of holies, the holiest place in the temple as a, as a sort of a symbol of, of what lay at the very heart of the vision and the identity of the people of God. Now today, do we have a symbol like that? As Christians, do we have a symbol like that for us today? Yeah, it is the cross. Hey, it's the cross. It's the, it's the number one symbol that reminds us it, it is all about Jesus, as John prayed. Um, you know, it's a, it's a symbol and a reminder of who we are in Jesus and, and what God has done. It's a reminder of who we are, what God has done, and of our purpose here in the world. Just like Paul in Galatians chapter 2, he says, For I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. That's what the cross should mean to each of us here today. But we should know as well that for the people of God before Jesus, that this was it. This was the symbol that reminded them of what God had done to save them. And it was the symbol that reminded them of their new life and purpose in him, in the God who saves us as well. It was, it was made of pure, shining gold. And it was huge. Is a meter and a half tall, so you can see, you know, needs a needs some steps to get up there and, and keep those candles lit, seven candles in all, seven burning lights that were to always remain bright. As a, as a reminder of their God and ours, who had saved them. In, in particular, when God led them out of Egypt, where they were slaves. Now, seven. What does seven stand for? Something about the Holy Spirit. Seven spirits. That's a, that's a new one for me, and I'm sure there's there's lots on it. Yeah, seven. That's awesome. Completeness. Yeah. Made the world in six days and rested on the seven. It's the Sabbath. Awesome. Yeah. For me, yeah, it's, it's all of those things. It's, it's God. It's perfect. It's, it's really, really cool. It just, it's just, it's completeness. Um, yeah, all of those things, uh, symbolized and held in, in, in the seven candles there, um, which we can see up on the screen. But what I love about the sum, and for those who like art, there are some of us here who, who like art, it's that if you count each of 
its letters in the psalm. In Hebrew, in the original language, in each line of the psalm, it forms a perfect and symmetrical reflection of this menorah in the temple. Perfect. Um, Which, though it was something that no one, almost no one would have actually seen themselves in person, this this menorah, because it was in the temple, you know, for, for everyone, they could, they could imbi- sort of imbibe the meaning of this, of this object and, and, and the vision of this object into their hearts through this psalm. And they could live out its meaning in their lives through that as well. So I want to ask for a moment, how many of us here, sorry, how many of us here have had the experience of, of leading or being a coach of a team? There's a picture on the, on, on the screen, some kids playing ripper rugby. That's, that's one of my experiences of, of being a coach of a team. There's a few of us here who've, who've been a coach as well. So I've, I've got a job like that perhaps as well, um, being, being a coach. But how, jumping ahead, how, how do you guide, for those who've been a coach, how do you guide a group of really different people to be able to sort of play together? On a team, how do you how do you guide a, a group of really differently minded people to be able to function and work well as a team? How do you do that? Well, I've had the experience of, of trying to coach several of my kids' teams. Hey, um, a bunch of six to sort of eleven year old kids who who were all learning to be able to play as a team. So, so do you know what we did? This is what we did. We came up with just two very simple words. Simple words that they could all learn and know off by heart. That, that even in the heat of the moment on the field, when it's all happening and going crazy on attack or on defense, that they would just instinctively know what to do. At least that was the idea. So you guys remember these words. Um, I'm not saying they're the best words, or I'm not saying replicate and repeat, but this is what we came up with in, uh, on the field. We, we came up with arrow. Can everyone say arrow? Arrow. And basically that just means that whenever you have the ball, run straight. And always remember to pass the ball back down the arrow as you're running straight towards the line to get a try. Because... You know, kids at this age don't need necessarily know where to, where to stand in relation to the ball. So the ball is always at the front of the arrow and runs straight. The next word, can you say this, is octopus. Octopus. <laughs> so it's a really graphic image, you know, you can keep in your mind. Octopus. And you know what that means? It means spread out across the field like a net, spread your arms out wide, and we're going to catch everybody you know, who's trying to get through our defense. Two simple words, arrow and octopus, and help everyone to know what to do. That was the idea. Sorry, guys, to embarrass you again. When our kids were younger, we did a similar thing at home. We came up with a sort of a motto that we could use, and that everybody knew. And I bet if I invited any of them up here just now, they could, they could rinse and repeat that as well. In our family, we listen, we care, we help, and we share. And then we have fun. And that was the idea, that over time as we sort of 
we, 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 we lived out the meaning of our, of our phrase, of our motto, and we learned to listen, to care, to help, and to share. And on, along the way, of course, we, we did also try to have fun. Again, that was the idea. Not always worked out perfect. Now, why might I be sharing with this with you today? Well, the answer is because, as far as I can see, this is exactly what is happening in the psalm. As the, as the people of God uh, are, at least in theory, being guided and shaped and formed around the vision of this prayer. And this matters, I reckon, so much today at a time when we're so often encouraged to just sort of invent our own rules for the game of life that, that we think will suit us, ourselves, the best, instead of you know, giving our time and our resources to the team. So first, first point I want to say is that this is a prayer that is intended to form and to guide us as a team. It's intended to shape who we are, not as individuals, but as, as a team. Now, every so often I love it when I'm asked by some parents if we could dedicate their child, for example, here at church. And so often at times like this, we'll hear a blessing that is prayed over the child. This blessing has been prayed over our children too, and I often pray this prayer still. And it goes like this. How many of you have prayed this prayer before? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. And so it says, with this prayer, the priests will put my name, God says, on the people, and I will bless them. So says the Lord. It's from Numbers chapter 6. And these are the words that were said each day in accordance with God's word at the temple by the priests um, as a blessing over the whole nation and people of God. So not octopus, not arrow, but the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine on you, be gracious to you, and lift up his face towards you. And God would put God's name on the people in that way each and every single day. Now, anyone know why that might be, that God would want to put God's name on the people? For me, it's this idea of, of sort of renaming or um, reimagining who these people were after their life as slaves. They, they were slaves. They'd come out of, of being captives who had... You know, no sense of purpose or meaning or value apart from just, I guess, trying to survive and to achieve the quota of bricks that they'd been asked to make that day. Survive and make bricks. Survive and make bricks. And nothing more. And yet with these words, what I think was occurring is that over time, God was kind of relabeling these People, some of you have had sheep or seen how farmers label the sheep. You know, God is renaming and relabeling his people and who they were with his name. 
So it's to sort of reframe and remake who we are. You know that moment in Luke chapter 15 when the father asks for his cloak and his ring to be given to his son who has just been welcomed back home, who formerly was... um, was away, he'd, he'd sort of walked away from his family. And, and the father asks for the ring and the cloak to be put back on his son. You know, for me, it's this kind of way of saying, you know what? I don't care what others say. I don't care that you were a slave. I don't even care what you've done, but you are, and you always, in fact, will be my son. You will always be my child. You're mine. And I reckon it in a way that this is the purpose of this psalm as well. It's like where God is saying, you know what? You are no longer slaves of Egypt because you are redeemed to be mine. And I'll give you what you need to, th- to thrive. I will give you what you need to thrive. You know that? You no longer have to work like a slave making bricks. You know, we've, we've got some friends who, um, who recently adopted a child from, from an orphanage overseas. And I, and I imagine them saying as, as well to, to their child over and over again and in, in as many ways as they can, something like this as well, as a way of reframing this, this child's identity around the fact that he is wanted, he is accepted, and he is valued and loved. And, and that he has a home. They're, they're, you know, these are powerful words that, that I think we all need to hear. For us, it's, it's very hard for us to be able to say or, or to, or to um, share these, these kind of things with someone else. And I also think they need to be played on repeat as they were each day in, in this prayer. That was, it was this blessing that was made by the, by the priests. Because in the busyness and the, and the pressures of our lives, in those times will come this year, will they not? You know, it's easy to forget in these times who we are and, and that we don't just exist for making bricks, you know. We don't just exist to make quota and to make bricks or whatever bricks might mean to you. But as much as these thoughts are good, and, and, and they, were, they were never intended to just stop there as a sort of a, a priest standing before the people and blessing them to, to remind them who they are. But you know, the blessing of numbers of a, number six, not this here, but number six is is a, is a and the blessing of the, of the psalm here is, is kind of the idea is to move us to a place where we're no longer just idle recipients um, of God's blessing and of God's love. We're no longer just idle recipients, but instead we're being transformed into a team who are, who are all working together to sort of pass on this blessing to others too. And that's where we want to go. So for me, I've wondered if some of the deepest meaning in the parable of the son's welcome back home might be found in what happens next. 
the part of the parable that we're not told. Like, after he received his cloak and the ring, what next? How did that transform who he was? What I like about the psalm is that this is exactly the question that I think the psalm is taking on. Because one of the central ideas of the Bible is that together, we who have been blessed by God and who bear God's name, we're being purposely formed into a team whose sole purpose and and mission is to pass on this blessing to as it says in the psalm, to all the peoples and the nations of the world. That is our purpose and our, and our mission for being. Surely that is the meaning of the cross, and surely that is the meaning of this psalm as well. We are blessed by God to be a blessing. And so can you see how this psalm, maybe you've got to open in front of you in, in a Bible, but can you see how the psalm picks up the blessing, the original blessing that was announced by the priests, and it intentionally invites us to sort of live it out and to, and to pray in a way that will announce this blessing too. It invites us to join in, to participate, and in, in not just be recipients of this blessing, but to pass on this blessing too. So to explain, do you notice how May God be gracious to you and bless you. Has been shifted in the psalm to may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us. I've moved into the blessing. I've moved into this prayer. And so coming back to, to point, point one that I made before, it's so important because it reminds us that we can never fulfill what God has called us to be and to, and to do on our own. Because we're invited into this team. But it does have to start, of course, with those personal moments of receiving and embracing God's calling, God's naming on us, ourselves. But the salvation of God was never intended to stop there, was it? It's one of my favorite passages in the, in the Bible. First Peter chapter 2 re- reminds me, but you are, chosen, you are a chosen people, a royal nation of priests. You are God's own people so that you may declare the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his light. So our, our calling is to be much more than just idle recipients, recipients of God's blessing and of God's grace. And, and then in this way, with point two, the main purpose and shift of this psalm from the original blessing in Numbers two, in number six, is that it now builds on the original so that of God's blessing to confirm that God's, God's plan had always been to share his salvation, to share God's salvation with all the nations and peoples of the world. Our calling, I guess, is, is just to be partners with God in, in, in ensuring that this takes place. This little illustration, but, but a little bit lame, but it might help. It's like the idea of receiving the blessing from a priest, like a baton, who's first received it from God themselves, and then running in the race to pass on the baton to someone else. 
Or you might think about seeds and how they spread, where, where this is, this is now this whole field of flowers that are all sharing this blessing as well. And so it continues to spread as each receive the blessing of our purpose and our identity in God as well, and then pass it on. So I guess for me, in sum, the key question for us today is this. It's, are you, am I, and are we, are we willing to embrace this prayer as our own? It's not, it's not, it's not a magic spell. We don't have to say the exact words as it says, but are we, are we willing to embrace the meaning and the purpose of this prayer for ourselves? And if the answer is yes, then we might, then we might want to look at what might this look like and mean for us today and for us this year. You know, it's, it's not just to surely quietly pray this prayer on our own and at home. But like any mantra or, or chant of a, of a team before they go out on the field, it's, it's about how it will shape how they play. You know, whatever your team might chant before you run out on the field. It's about how it affects how you play. Around the vision for us, in this case, so that, of, so that God's ways and blessings would be felt and will be known by the people who we live around us here today, on our streets, in the city of Timaru, and even around the world. And on that, I just, I just really want to share two brief things before I close. One, you know, so often the way that people think about themselves and so their purpose in life is both formed to, both linked to and formed by the thoughts that we have about God, by the impression and the picture that we have of God. And so it doesn't really help us if the image that people have of God is of a God who is angry and who, or who will only accept them, who will only accept us when we behave. It's very different to the image of the father and the son from the parable that I shared about before. And, you know, these ideas about God are often formed and shaped when we, even when we're young, from our youngest of days, by the ways that we are raised. And so people can just assume um, or be locked into the idea that they could never be accepted by God, never be welcome in a church, because it's just too hard to be good um, or, or to turn their life around on their own. I had a friend once who I worked with when I was building, and he said that the only name he was ever addressed to, addressed with by his, his dad was a name um, or a word, I should say, that I would never want to say in here or at all. And so he, he had been labeled with this image, this image of who he was since he was a boy. Now, at that time, I had no idea. Um, but he, he would later go on to say to me that because as a, as a Christian myself, I'd never stopped accepting him as he was um, and had never stopped showing him love. Even when he openly mocked me in front of others about my faith. You know, over time, 
what was happening was his whole self-image, his whole, not self-image, his, his whole image of God was being challenged and changed. And it, and it, and it, and it could not help but change um, for him in, until he ultimately gave his life to the Lord as well. Now, for me, without even being aware of it, just by loving this guy and accepting him as he was, I was taking up, I was actually taking up the role of a, of a priest, um, just by daily showing and affirming to him that God loves and accepts him as he is and, and as he was. You know, and through doing this, he was changed. And you could say his, 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 his whole, he was in a process in that time of, of being relabeled, relabeled with God's name. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. Just the act of, of loving someone and accepting them as they, as they are can, can affirm the meaning of this blessing to the people who we know. What does it say in Romans chapter 8, chapter 5, verse 8? Some of you know this off by heart. God shows his love for us in this. Now, even in the worst, my language now, even in the worst of our sin, that Christ died as a way of showing that God's welcome and blessing is for us all. And to be on Jesus' team, to be part of Jesus' team, is to carry this blessing into the world. To the, and among the people who we know. And, you know, this kind of thing can grow and it can take off until whole cities and nations can be awash in a flood with the blessing of God too. But it just starts with the seed of naming and of showing and of persistently repeating this truth about God, who God is and, and God's love. The other last thing that I realized as I read through this psalm just today, this morning, it sucks how it all sort of comes at the end. Um, when you want to be finished and ready to speak, it all just comes at the end. And, and the realization at the end for me this morning was that how much we are totally dependent on Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Um, you know, the Jesus who, who I read this morning in, in Hebrews um, is the one great high priest um, for us all who has poured out God's spirit to enable and guide and equip us in our task of representing his priestly mission in the world. And it came to me this morning as I wrote up, in effect, two columns. If you can imagine my, my, my journal, um, that I, my prayer journal that I keep, two columns. You might want to do this yourself. Two columns, the ways of the world and the ways of God, represented in, in the psalm. The ways of the world lead to or are expressed by things like pressure, anxiety, fear, making bricks, creating and maintaining my own self-image um, and worth and, and pride and inequality, um, injustice, each to their own, the types of things that I wrote down this column here. I'm standing on the left. You're right. The ways of God, in contrast, things like peace, shalom. Um, you know, we are Sabbath people. Many of us are enjoying a Sabbath rest at the, at the moment. You know, being reminded that God's ways are not about making bricks. Um, it's not just about being productive um, or doing. 
That's also about being. In God's ways, yeah, not the image, not my own image or our own image or creating our own image, but the image of, of God expressed in us. Um, equitable. The word equity in the center of the psalm, the central candle of the psalm, if you will. Um, so that God's ways will be known on the earth. Your salvation, God, among all the peoples of the world. Um, inequity. So in this psalm, this idea of God's perfect equity and rule, how are they expressed to us? They're expressed in Jesus. They're perfectly expressed in Jesus, the king who has come to establish the perfect balance of heaven on earth. Biblical scholar by the name of James Jordan says, heaven forms the model for the earth, socially, morally, spiritually, and in every other way, so that we see at, so what we see at creation is the spirit coming to mediate and establish this heavenly pattern. This heavenly blueprint is being formed for us by God's spirit on earth. The spirit proceeded then from heaven and brought this blueprint to begin shaping the world after heaven. And that is why we pray, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We have been made in God's image to bring chaos into order, to bring inequity, to transform it into into equity, to bring hate and anger and pressure to God's blessing and rule. And we can only achieve this as we look to and depend on him, as we look to and depend on Jesus. Thanks, John. It's all about Jesus, is it not? If you want some homework for the week, if you're not already bursting at the seams, if you're a disciple of Jesus, I want to ask you to reflect. In what ways has Jesus already fulfilled the meaning and the themes of this psalm? Two, in what ways is he inviting us to join in his work of bringing it towards being complete, towards making the vision of the psalm complete? And I think at that, I would like to pause to lead us all in prayer and then invite you to stand with me afterwards and to pray this prayer as as a team. Let me, let me just lead you in prayer now first. Lord Jesus, I want your rule and ways to be formed in me. And I want your rule and ways to be formed in each of us here today. Lord Jesus, if, if, would you by your spirit speak into each of our lives today, the, still at the very beginning of the year, Lord, Fill us by your spirit and empower us to live out your ways, um, to want the things that you want, Lord, to strive for equity and fairness and justice in our classrooms and our schools and our workplaces and our homes and our city and our streets, Lord. Fill us with your spirit. Relabel us. Give us, remind us who we are in you, Lord, so that we can go on. And pass on this blessing too. And pray this. We pray this in Jesus' almighty name. Amen. Hey, the words are going to come up on the screen. Oh, they've already, already been done for me.
Can I invite you to stand? If you can say this, if this is authentically for you to say, then um, join me and let's pray this prayer together now. Allow me to lead. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the peoples with equity and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. The land yields its harvest. God, our God, blesses us. May God bless us still, so that all the ends of the earth will fear him. Amen. Son. say, look, if, as we sing this, I think it's appropriate to say, look, if for you, this mission, this task um, is, is too great for you, just just receive this blessing as we sing it to you and, and just invite the Holy Spirit to fill you and to bless you as you are in the space that you are so that um, what may come can flow. So let this be a blessing for you um, as we sing it.